So this is a letter written by uh, John, hence the, the, the title 1 John. John was a disciple of Jesus and often known as, as possibly his closest disciple, the one who was closest to him. Um, and, and so this is his letter that is written uh, sometime li- later. This re- letter was probably written about 60 years, maybe more, after Jesus died. So there's a bit of history for you. So let me read um, from the beginning of chapter 3, which says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But what we know, that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves, just as he is pure. Everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. Right. I felt God lead us to, to, to look into this book a while back. And now as I'm reading it, I'm thinking, goodness, this is it's deep stuff, some of this stuff. So it's, it's, um, it's good. I just want to just, before I start on this, just reflect on the idea that John was a disciple of Jesus. So Jesus' ministry lasted about three years. So imagine that. John was hanging out with Jesus for about three years. Then Jesus dies on a cross, is resurrected, ascends to heaven... And then John and the disciples, they, just, they, they become the church and, and then they carry on and, and, and that's handed on to generation to generation to generation. And um, a lot of the disciples, they, they died uh, under persecution. Uh, but John lived a long life. And so AD 95 is when they reckon he wrote this letter. Now just have a little think about that because that means that John was with Jesus in person for three years... And over 60 years later, after that, he writes this letter. Now, I don't know about you. um, You know, I can, and and my kids will tell you this, you know. Oh, I remember the good old days. You know, and I can tell them. In fact, I did a gig in London near Old Street on Friday night, which is where I used to live. Louise used to live there. And this is kind of where we met. That area is where we met. So I'm kind of with, oh, do you remember? And this has changed and all this. And you kind of go back and that was then... Because now I'm, I go back there and I'm thinking, my goodness. And, and also the band I was playing in, this guy said to me as we were walking out, he said, oh, I can't, I can't be doing with Central London anymore. I'm 26 now, I'm just too old for this. <laughs> 
and I'd driven in and I'm like I, I was driven in like, I was driving like this because like everyone was like zhoo, 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 like this and I'm thinking well I'm glad you said that because I'm just a little bit older than 26 and um, so I'm kind of thinking that was definitely my life a long time ago yeah so imagine John God, do you remember the good old days when we were with Jesus and we used to hang out with him and we used to eat fish around the campfire and all that kind of stuff and, and yet when he writes it doesn't seem like he's writing about something in the past it doesn't write it's not like since Jesus has died and resurrected and gone to heaven yeah, yeah it was alright it's, it's okay now but it was better then he doesn't, you don't get that sense when he's writing you get that sense that he's actually with Jesus right here and right now as he's writing this stuff to us and that his living faith which is 60 years I mean that's a long time 60 plus years I can tell you that because I haven't even got there um, nearly um, but, but you know that's a long time to go live in faith have, particularly having had such an intense experience with him there and then so yeah just bear that in mind as you're reading these words it didn't grow old for him right let's jump into this so in verse 8 it says now this, is, this, is a, this will get some conversation going I'm sure afterwards uh, the one sorry the reason, so this is halfway through verse 8, it says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Pow! There's a good mission statement. The Son of God appeared to destroy the works of the devil. Now, I don't know, in fact, what images does that conjure up in your mind? Does anyone, does that somebody, does anyone have any thought on that? No. Uh, go on, yes, please, please, go on. Cartoon Power Rangers. Yes. Yeah. Okay, Daniel, what's the image that comes up in your mind then? I was thinking of setting people free from addiction and uh, all of that kind of stuff. Okay. Sorry, spiritual, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and I had pictures then too. Like Louise said, I had the same thoughts. Yeah. Like how, how and then words coming up in the. Like a Batman cartoon. Yeah, that sort of yes. thing. Yes. Within defeating. Yes, defeating the baddie. Yeah, if I'm honest, I'm with you. So, but yeah, yeah, but um, yeah. But it says here. So, what does this mean? He came to destroy the works of the devil. And in fact, actually, so the next question would be: Did he succeed? (laughs) That would be maybe another question to ask on for that from the cartoon image that we have, the Power Rangers or the Batman or. Or setting people free from addiction and that. that uh, uh, um, <laughs> if you want to be all churchy about it, um, did it work? Did it work? You know, and, and if so, so what? So we'll come back to that. Now, if you look at Jesus' life and you, and you read the scriptures, you'll see that actually this is what Jesus was about. He, he was baptized, and then you think. Uh, you know, what's the next thing you do after you get baptised? Oh, you go into the wilderness for 40 days and you have a sort of like arm wrestle with the devil for, for 40 days and 40 nights without eating food. That's kind of what he, he was involved with. And yet he overcame, overcame the devil's temptation there in the wilderness. So right from the beginning, Jesus is kind of involved in that. And then it all comes to a conclusion on the cross. And, and I can't go into the whole story, but, you know, on the cross, the, the totality of evil, evil was thrown at Jesus. And he overcomes it, not by retaliating, but bringing it on himself, allowing it to be on himself, taking it on himself. And when it can go no further in that it kills him, he rises again. As if to say, like, okay, what else you got? I mean, 
he probably didn't put it quite so in sort of like lay back sleep but speak but that's that was effectively what happened you know he died he was killed and then he rose again and it's almost like the devil has no answer to that in fact it is like the devil has no answer to that that's what it is there is no answer to that if you can't kill someone what are you going to do <laughs> you can't do anything and you remember on the cross Jesus says what he says it is finished the victory is won a complete defeat of the works of the devil. And Paul puts it like this in, in 1 Corinthians. He says, Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? It's almost like he's mocking death and, and, uh, and saying, where, where is it? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us, notice not just Jesus, but us, victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, the destruction of the works of the devil. Heavy topic for this morning, but there you go. You know me. It's this is that epic battle between the great baddie, if we're going to go back to the cartoon image, and, and the, the ultimate superhero. Um, and, and if we imagine that sort of playing out on the big screen, that's, that's one thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a big deal. But actually, it's not just a fantasy. And let's not think that this is just something out there or on a, on a cartoon or in a screen. This um, is something very real. It happened here on Earth. There is some reason why Jesus came in physical form and this happened here on earth. Um, uh, it's important because it's not separate from us. It has huge implications for us. If you wind back a few verses, in verse 5 it says, so in verse 8 it says he appeared so that um, he might destroy the works of the, the devil. In verse 5 it says he appeared, what does it say? He appeared so that he might take away our sins. Oh, I wonder if those two things are connected. We had a little bit of a conversation about this on Tuesday night at our worship group. We were singing, which song were we singing? I can't remember, Michael. It was, uh, it was a, we were learning a new, quite hard song. Watch this space in a few months' time when we've all done our grade eight on whatever we're, instruments we're um, But the words in there, we talked about, um, he bears our sins away, which is another translation of this, this verse here. And and it's brilliant I love it when God sets me up like this and there's this question theological question happens and I just happen to have read that verse earlier in the day and I sound really clever when I kind of go well let me take you to the verse here it was <laughs> and this idea is that he appeared to bear our sins away to take our sins away sometimes we may think that just means that he just kind of like gets a, a, a brush or a sponge a bit like Abby did with our car the other day did a very good job of cleaning away the dirt but then as she said to me the, the next day didn't you say oh, the car's dirty again I'm like yep that's how it works <laughs> that's how cars work now yes Jesus does wash us clean but it's better than washing the car because this idea of bearing our sins away he, he takes the sins off us he lifts them and carries them away and, and takes them completely removes them so it's more than just a, a case of just going with a sponge and then oh, they're back again. But he, he takes them away. Because remember, this is the same Jesus who defeats the work of the devil. Same thing. Same deal. And remember, in Christ we've been given a new life. Yes, we are new creations. The old has gone, the new has come. We are born again. And as children of God, which is what we looked at last week, we are fundamentally different now. If you're a child of God, you are completely different from the inside out. 
So Christ appeared to destroy the works of the devil and to take away our sins. Yay. Excellent, really. Yeah. I'll, I'll dub in on the recording for the. I'll, I'll put in a big cheer there. Don't, don't worry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, the thing is, now here's a confusing thing, and this is where. I, come on, John. Why do you make it so complicated? Because he says, John says that no one who's born of God will continue to sin. That's the victory of the life in Christ, which is a little bit confusing because if you remember earlier in the letter, he says, if you say you don't sin, you're deceiving yourself. Now, I've always, one of the reasons why I've avoided teaching this book is because I'm like, what? You've said that no one is without sin, but at the same time, you have to be without sin if you're the child. What's going on here? What's he saying? It's a bit confusing, isn't it? Yeah? Good, I'm glad you're with me on that. I think what he's saying is this, and I hope I've got this, is that if you can't encounter Christ and, and meet with him and know him without it fundamentally changing you, from the inside out. Um, without there being a complete change of direction in your life. And that work of the devil that he came to destroy, um, which leads everyone astray, he, he picks you up and turns you around in the opposite direction from that. And you have this new life which I've just spoken about. And so we need to know that when you meet with Jesus, there is power in that. And that we are fundamentally different. And Jesus sets his children on the right path, the path of righteousness, so that his direction is, becomes our direction too. And his ways become our ways too. And we're no longer controlled by the devil, but we're led by the Spirit. But still John knows from time to time, and, and he gives us a remedy for that, because if you confess your sins, he says, you'll, you'll be forgiven and cleansed from all unrighteousness. But he knows that realistically, from time to time, we'll, we'll fail. Yeah? Everyone with me on that? Um, but there's a difference now, because as children of God, we're on the right path. It's just that we've stepped off the right path, and he brings us back on. Rather than before, we were on the wrong path. And even if we try getting on the right path, it's never really working very well. That makes sense? So I think he's saying that is the direction that we're in that's the, the continuation of not sinning Tom Wright who's one of my favourite theologians um, does everyone else have favourite theologians <laughs> I just realised I said that and it's kind of like I, I, just, I just gave away my nerdiness Yeah, Tom Wright one of my favourite theologians um, I'm sure I'm one of his favourite musicians said um, <laughs> He says this. In fact, he, he likes music, does Tom Wright. He says, we are playing different music now. And even if our fingers slip sometimes and play some wrong notes, notes that don't belong to the music we used to play, that doesn't mean we're going back to play that old music for real once more. Did you get that idea? Yeah. You got a question, James? What's theologian? Theologian. Theologian is someone who studies God. So a bit like a biologist would be somebody who studies sort of biology and that, a theologian is someone who, who, who studies basically God. That's a good question. Theology would be the, his study. Yeah. And, and I'm a bit of a nerd and I like reading that kind of thing. But thank you for asking. I like questions. Uh, yeah. So don't let the lies and the condemnation of the devil bring you down. He has destroyed, Jesus has destroyed his work. And in Christ, we are new people. The power of Christ takes away, the, the power of Christ to take away sin is immense. 
Yeah, it, it says in the, in the scriptures, it says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of what? A few people? Yeah, maybe just, you know, some people that slip. No, the whole world. Yeah, the whole world. That's, that's quite powerful, right? You know, that's quite a big deal. One of the greatest problems I think we face is to underestimate that power. That power to overcome the devil and to remove our sin. But, and maybe we'll get onto this in a few weeks' time, I'm sure, but it says in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 4, it says, He who is in you, meaning Christ, is greater than he who is in the world. And too often, I think, we think, oh, he who is in the world is pretty strong and I'm just a bit weak and I'm not quite sure where Jesus is. But actually, it says here, he who is in you, Christ, is greater, who's stronger than he who is in the world, the devil. If you want to put it in um, my old school playground speak, okay, I'll put it like this. My dad is bigger than your dad. Yeah? Do you ever, ever used to have that conversation in the playground? <laughs> my dad's older than your dad. No? Maybe it's a boy thing, yeah. I used to win because my dad was quite old, had children was quite old, so I used to usually win the competition, my dad's older than your dad, but there you go. Now, just to finish off with, and I'm nearly done. Um, how, does this, well, how does this affect us? And I think there's two things I just want to pick up on here. First thing is, we need to remember, Jesus has destroyed the works of the devil. And you may think, well, there's an awful lot of evil in the world. How does that work? What, how it works is that those things that happen that are evil in the world are defeated, even if they still are happening now. And, and the thing that I think we can take from this is, do not fear. Do not fear. Particularly when, I don't know if you've noticed, but we've been through quite a lot of stuff recently and we're going through quite a lot of stuff in the world. Yeah? There was a pandemic. Remember that? Yes. Yeah. It seems like a distant memory now that we've got wars going on and sort of economic turmoil and governments changing and all that kind of thing. And everyone starts to get a bit worried. And you might think rightly so. Um, and in fact, you know, some parts of the world... There's stuff going on and you just think, how do people survive? There's, uh, and a culture is changing and, and the world is changing and it brings fear in us. But do we as God's children, do we fear or do we worry, do we panic when this evil thing seems to be overrunning us and seems to be overrunning the world? Or are we confident in the victory of Christ? And that's not to say that we don't need to, we just sort of let, oh, well, I'm a Christian now, so everything's fine in the world, and there's literally bombs going off outside the, the, um, outside the door. Uh, that doesn't mean to say that we shouldn't pray in all situations. Yes, we should. And that doesn't mean to say we shouldn't act. Yes, we should act. But we pray and we act from a peace and a confidence and a faith that Jesus has won. You remember when we, 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 talk, we uh, inducted our elders a few weeks ago, I said, we need to sit with Jesus so that we can be a non-anxious presence. Yeah, The church is to be a non-anxious presence. In this crazy, crazy world, and it is bonkers at the moment, that as God's people, knowing that Jesus has won the victory, we can stand confident, knowing that even whatever you want, throw it at us. Whatever it is, Jesus wins. Even if it means death. The early church knew that. For, you know, when the persecution happened, 
I think they were able to stand up and sort of say, I still follow Jesus because you can even kill me like you killed him and death doesn't win. Jesus wins. Jesus wins. And that's tough. But I think we need to steel ourselves in these things and know that we don't need to be fearful because whatever happens, Jesus wins. That doesn't mean to say it's not going to be tough. Yes, it probably will be tough and there will be hard things and difficult things we go through whether personally or uh, corporately as a whole nation, whole, whole world. But in Christ, there is victory. And that's why sometimes you see people going through the most difficult things, Christians, and they're smiling or they have joy and you think, what? Oh, yeah, I remember now. Jesus wins. I know how this story ends. Jesus wins. Every time. So do not fear. Last, last thing, or the second thing, last thing, and you might think this is a bit of a funny one, but don't be proud. See, there are some people that seem to think that their sin is greater than Jesus can handle. As if their sin is somehow so bad that Jesus is kind of going, oh, I haven't figured that one out yet. I'm not quite sure to do that one. Yeah, I know that the Lamb of God came to take away the sins of the world, but I don't know whether that applies to me. I mean, when you stop and think about that, that's crazy, right? Mm-hmm. Thank you. You know, but actually what it is, is a pride. It's a pride to say that my sin is so great that even the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world can't deal with me. <laughs> yeah? As if Jesus is standing around scratching his head and thinking, oh, I hadn't factored in Barbara's sin like that. And uh, Sorry, I hope there's no Barbara's here. I hadn't meant to point out anybody in particular. I thought Barbara was a safe word, but there's quite a lot of visitors here today. Um, you know, oh, yeah, I wonder what I'm going to do with Barbara. I hadn't thought of that. No, he's been there, done that, seen it all. He's won the victory, the complete victory. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So don't start thinking that in some weird, pride, proud way that you, your sin is so great that Jesus can't deal with it. He can. He can. And in the same way, there are some people that, that think, you know, it says he, Jesus came to destroy the, the devil, the works of the devil and take away sin. Yeah, that applies to you. There are some people who seem to think that they're so, their sin is so great that Jesus can't change them. As if the power of Jesus was not strong enough to transform them. And they think that their evil ways are so great that Jesus can't do it. The same Jesus that defeated the devil on the cross and rose again. That same Jesus. But no. <laughs> there is power in the name of Jesus. And, and I've seen, and I continue to see, and that's why I think we still do what we do, the power of Jesus to transform people's lives. I'm looking at a lot of it here, actually, in front of me. It's great, actually, standing here. You, you get to see the, the faces of people where lives have changed and all that kind of stuff. And it continues to happen. And it's, there's power in Jesus' name. So keep praying in Jesus' name. Keep, keep living in Jesus' name because it will change you and it will transform you. You can't get around it. Don't be so proud to think that your sin is so great that Jesus is thinking, mm, not sure what to do with that one. Yes, he is. Jesus wins. Jesus really is Lord. He has overcome. There is real power in Jesus' name. So as John says, abide in him. Now I'm going to finish with some words from another one of uh, the writers from the Bible which says this. 
I think this sums it up nicely. It's interesting, isn't it, how uh, different writers in the New Testament seem to be saying the same thing from just different, different ways. But Paul says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Didn't we sing something like that earlier? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, yeah, it's real, it's true, isn't it? He's won. He has won. So, let's take a moment. And I, I want to just offer a moment now. We're going to pray and, and then we're going to break bread together. But just, just before we do that, just to take a moment. If there are things where you're fearful, and, and I completely understand it, don't... don't think for one minute I'm thinking to myself oh yeah yeah financial crisis that's going to be a piece of cake let me walk through that because I'm induced no these things do sort of trouble us or there's a war going on in Ukraine and all that kind of thing we do have fears yes I know but let us bring ourselves before Christ and say Lord you are Lord let me remember that give me faith give me help in this Lord have mercy on us that we would then be confident in you. So if, if that's you, then let's just take a moment to bring ourselves before God. And also, if you think, oh dear, I, my sin is too great, bring that before God, because I'll be honest with you, you're wrong. Um, Jesus wins. Jesus can do it. And if you think you can't be changed, and you think you, your life is, is just, I'll always be the same, then you're wrong. In, in all humility, I'm going to say that to you. Jesus can bring transformation and so I'm just going to offer a moment let's bring ourselves before Christ and allow him to change us inwardly because without him changing us inwardly then these things are quite hard so let's just take a moment and I'm going to pray Actually, before I pray, I'm just going to offer it. If there's a, is anyone here who wants that transformation in Christ but hasn't known it yet, then I'm going to pray for you now. And if there's anyone here who thinks they just can't be changed or, or that whatever they've done is too great for, to, to be forgiven, I want to pray for you now. So Jesus, we come before you having read these words 
And I want to just give testimony as I'm praying now to the many people I know in this room who you have changed their lives and brought transformation. And I give thanks to you for that. And I want to pray for people who are not quite sure whether that can be possible for them, that you would give them faith and hope. And that as they put their trust in you right now and call out to you, just even by just saying your name in their heart, they would find your amazing grace and your transforming power in their lives to overcome the works of the devil, to forgive sin and bring complete transformation. And so if that's you, then just just say the name of Jesus in your in your heart and your mind and, and say, Jesus, I need you. Come and change me. And for all of us, give us faith and let us know the power of the cross and the resurrection of Christ. Let us know the victory that is in Jesus. Let us know with a certainty that you are Lord. You are Lord. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So I pray, let us know that victory in powerful ways in our lives and in the world around us. In Christ, amen.